Hello, welcome to the season finale of our first season. Can you feel the excitement in the air? Can you feel the love of our voice? Can you feel it, Mr. Krabs? <laughs> Hello, I am your host, Chase, and with me... Jimmy. And together, we've shared one full season of madness. We've all grown. I think we became better gamers, too. And better alcoholics. <laughs> uh, and today, we are talking to you about... Our thoughts on the games Pokemon Gold and Silver. Silver and Gold. We would have had somebody else to come on to talk about Pokemon Crystal, but unfortunately we'll have to save that for a later day. Womp womp. But I want to say I've roughly bent about 45 hours on Pokemon Silver. I spent a little over 20 hours on Pokemon Gold. You know, with the whole world falling apart, you would think I'd have lots of spare time, but... Not so. <laughs> but I did defeat all of the uh, gym leaders in the Johto region. I just didn't make it to the... Kanto region? Kanto region, yes. Yeah. yes. So I got about halfway through the game, I guess? Roughly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe like two-thirds of the game? Part of what slowed me down is, whereas before with... When I would play Pokemon Blue or Pokemon Yellow, I've been playing those since I was a kid, so I knew abs I instinctively knew where to go and where everything was hidden. With this, it was much more of a learning experience, so slowed my progress up substantially. I had to go to a lot of online forums and uh, look up how to solve certain puzzles or where to go next when I defeated a gym leader. Yeah. I am very less familiar with this map as I am the Kanto region. Now, this might make me somewhat biased, but back, I remember like 8th, ninth grade, I would have my Game Boy Advance SP and I would have Pokemon Silver and I would play that all the time. That was me, but with Pokemon Yellow on the Game Boy Color. <laughs> so, I knew what I was doing. I knew where I was going. Mm -hmm. I roughly made it all the way to Mount Silver. Hell, we just saw... Our final battle with Red yes. today. And oh my god, that was awful. <laughs> yeah, I was very underleveled. Mm -hmm. By about 40 levels. It was kind of sad to watch, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it probably doesn't help that Red starts off with a yellow 81 Pikachu. For real. I was like, and he still hasn't evolved. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But yeah, we played Pokemon Gold and Silver. We started off on a new town in a new region. New Pokemon. New starters. New Pokeballs. <laughs> new items. You have berries now. I started off with a Typhlosion. Sorry, a Cyndaquil. That's what I started off with. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I thought about going for the Feraligator route. Yeah, yeah, the water Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. But I know if you go through... Uh, the magnesium, the grass type, it's actually a lot harder. My go-to has usually always been fire types. Yeah. They're only weak against water. And that's why you get a bunch of different type Pokemon to supplement your main one. So when you're fighting a gym boss that's all water types, you just put your fire type to the back and let the rest of the team handle the, the big... Yeah, but in this game, there really isn't really that many water types until you get to... Uh... Kanto region. Like, all the major gyms are just 
bird, bug, normal, ghost, mm-hmm. steel, steel fighting, mm-hmm. ice, and dragon type. The dragon types were hard. Oh, yeah. I basically got through the dragon gym with a bunch of revives and hyper potions. <laughs> I got through with a slow king and ice punch. Oh, yeah, that's right. They're weak against ice. I used a, uh, oh gosh, what's it called? It's the little, it's the little pig Pokemon. Pillow Swine? It's the one before it. Swinub? Swinub. Okay. I had a Swinub and I had a Jinx that both had Powder Snow. Powder Snow. Okay. And, um, that got me by a lot of it. And then I would just use my red Gyarados with uh, Dragon Rage, oh. and that really helped. So, yeah. so the combination of those three got me through that gym. But on your very blind playthrough, how did you feel about the actual game itself? From having not played it before, I mean, it's all familiar stuff if you've played Pokemon Yellow and the first gen stuff like Blue and Red. So it's familiar territory, but having... I kind of lost interest in Pokemon when they got to Johto League. So I never really watched the anime after the original 150. So a lot of these Pokemon I was experiencing for the first time. Like I didn't know what the hell a Hoot Hoot was or, <laughs> a, you know, a lot of these new Pokemon I was learning as I was going. So I would definitely pay attention to what the Pokedex had to say when I'd catch a Pokemon. And I'd be like, oh, so that's what kind of Pokemon it is. Okay, cool. And if you made it this far without knowing what Pokemon is... Pokemon yeah. is literally the highest grossing media franchise right now. Which surprised me. I figured it was MCU or something. Nah, it's like number or Star Wars. <laughs> eight, nine, ten. Yeah. I'm really shocked that the second highest grossing was Hello Kitty. That is shocking. It's all the backpacks they sell. Yeah. Anyway, let's do a quick brief history on Pokemon. Just to catch everyone up to speed. Mm-hmm. 1990, Satoshi Tajari. Yeah, close enough. Close enough. The one of the founders of Game Freak saw a Game Boy and a Link Cable on the subway and was like, I can just picture bugs crawling through the Link Cables going back and forth through the Game Boy. That's not creepy. And he was like, I could pitch that as a game. So he went to Nintendo, who liked his very first game on the NES, and was like, hmm, I don't quite get the concept, but I like your game, so we're going to go ahead with it. And even Shigeru Miyamoto... You know, the guy who made Mario and Legend of Zelda was like, I like this game too, kid. Let me mentor you for six years and help you get it done. Nice, nice. And six years passed of very hard development. Hell, they lost five employees of an already small team. Whoa. And they were facing bankruptcy until Creature Inc., another game developer company, was like, Hey, here's some money. Cut us in a third for all franchise revenue. Money always helps. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, especially when it's a third of all franchise revenue. Yeah, for real. And they were able to release the game, Pokemon Red and Green, in 1996 in Japan. Was Green ever released in the U.S.? Because everyone talks about Red and Blue, but I've never seen or heard of nah. Green. Okay. See, they also had a Pokemon Blue that came out as part of a members-only club mm-hmm. through a magazine. Just in October of later that year. Okay, okay. And that had better in-game artwork, new dialogue, and more stable code. Because let's face it, six years of development time on a two-megabyte game, 
Yeah. Your code's going to be kind of choppy. Mm-hmm. Even Pokemon Red and Blue today is kind of choppy with Missing Go, the glitch Pokemon. I'm not familiar. It was like a glitch where you can get infinite items in Red and Blue. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Plus, there was the fact that certain moves could just overset your limit. Make you OP? No, just oh. go back all the way back to the bottom. Oh. Yeah. Huh. So if you spam agility for like 20 times, you're going to end up slower than before. Oh boy. This is the early years of Pokemon, right? They were just trying to make money. They didn't sure. realize how big this game would be. Because even Nintendo was like, if you want to increase the trading aspects of this game, like you originally wanted, we're going to split it off into two cartridges and set, put Pokemon on other teams on other sides. That's a brilliant marketing strategy, actually. <laughs> And Pokemon Red and Blue are still the second highest selling Game Boy games right now. Let me guess, the highest is Yellow? No, it's Tetris. Oh, huh. Interesting. To be fair, Tetris also packed in with like a bunch of Game Boy games. Yeah. Sorry, it was packed in with a bunch of Game Boys. Oh, okay, as a package deal? Yeah. Okay. So. Continuing? 96, October. We had the Pokemon trading card game. Yes. And that's still popular to right now. I need to figure out if I still have some of those cards. They're worth quite a bit of money now. <laughs> and Pokemon has expanded between trading cards. You had the anime starting off in 97 of April. And Ash still hasn't given Misty back her bike. Ash is forever 10 years old for 26 seasons. Ash still hasn't given her a new bike. Ash probably forgot about Misty after a thousand episodes. Yeah, who'd they replace her with? That one girl with the bandana? I don't know. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. I haven't seen any of the anime since like the first couple seasons. She's never getting that bike back. No. Nah. In 97, they had the po- Pokemon Adventures manga. Like mm-hmm. a full-on comic that was based on the games itself. Mm-hmm. With Red as a main character. Nice. Then Nintendo, Game Freak, and Creatures Inc. in 98 was like... Pokemon's getting a bit too big after all this manga, anime, trading cards, video games, feature films. We're going to form the Pokemon company between all three companies. Oh, dang. To control all the Pokemon assets. All of them. And finally, the last big news for Pokemon happened in 1998 when they released Pokemon the first movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back. Oh, snap. I remember that. I remember them giving out the little Mew cards that are the old uh-huh. hieroglyph ones. You remember, I can't remember if it was Burger King or McDonald's, they gave away those toys that had like the gold cards inside of the Pokeballs. That was Burger King. Yeah. I had a, uh, I think I got a Charizard. I, I think I got one of those. I don't know what happened to it, but it was yeah. a nice shiny red Pokeball. Uh-huh. I broke the Pokeball within like... A month or two, but I still have the gold cards somewhere. <laughs> you know those cards got ripped, uh, <laughs> they got recalled by Burger King. Really? Yeah, two kids died off of those. How? They put it in their mouth. I mean, they probably deserve to die, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, how how is it the card's fault when they put it in their mouth? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, we should make a poll. Did the kid deserve to die? That is not going to happen. <laughs> Please leave a comment if you would like that to happen. No. 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 Okay. 
They had a lawsuit over that. They settled out of court. It's all hushed and hushed, done, done right now. Mm-hmm. Until we brought it up just now. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. But back to the movie. Mm-hmm. In North America, it released on November 10th, 1999. I which... can actually remember seeing that in the theater as a Me kid. Me too. Yeah. But probably not on the day it came out, a.k.a. Wednesday, which was also known as the Pokey Flu. Because <laughs> this was at the Pokemon craze. Children were skipping school to go see this movie. Gotta catch them all. I remember seeing this movie with my grandmother. I still know what day it was. I saw it with my grandmother, yeah. <laughs> but that Good game, times. that movie, on a $5 million budget... Grossed $172 million. God, that's ridiculous. Right? Imagine making a movie that cheap today. For real. <laughs> now well, your movies have to be like, what, $350 million just to make and produce? Unless it's Sharknado. And they have to gross at least a billion dollars just to cut even? For real. Damn it, Marvel. Damn it, Marvel. Around 2006, 2008, there was actually a Pokemon traveling theme park. Now, this is something I'd be interested in. It was actually spent a few months in Japan. And next year, it spent a few months in Thailand. And they never brought it back since. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, we mentioned that Pokemon is the highest grossing media franchise. I was honestly surprised. I figured it would go to either the MCU or Star Wars at this point. But a couple years ago, it was the third highest grossing. I just happened to look at the wrong list. Oops. Yeah, it beat out Hello Kitty and Winnie the Pooh. I still can't believe Winnie the Pooh is number three. <laughs> number four is Mickey Mouse. Oh! Then Star Wars. Wow. Mickey Mouse. Yeah, Disney. Dang, Disney's taking everything over, aren't they? Now, let's go straight to Gold and Silver's development, alright? Alright. 97, Space World. Nintendo announces Pokemon 2, Gold and Silver. And they were like, alright boys, this is a direct sequel to Pokemon Red and Green. Oh, yeah. And blue. And blue. And they were like, we're going to have a real-time system. Meaning? Like a real clock, real-time yes. clock. Day and night time. Day, morning, and night. Oh. A hundred new Pokemon, new evolutions for everyone. For those of you keeping count, that means we're up to 250. 251. 251. New TMs, HMs, new moves, backwards compatibility with Gen 1, which is very strange because... The backwards compatibility is pretty much a time machine. You send Pokemon back that could only have been found in red and blue. Wow. But not with new moves or no new Pokemon. That just wouldn't go back there. So say you captured Mewtwo with the Master Ball in your first gen game. Can you transfer it to gold or silver? Yes. Oh. That's pretty much how you get all the legendaries in your Pokedex. Okay. Or the fossil Pokemon. Interesting. Or your starters. Yeah. In March of 98... The game was officially delayed. As happens from time to time. In October of 98, the Game Boy Color released in Japan. Then Gold and Silver was like, you know what? Reverse course. <laughs> We're changing course. We're going straight for the Game Boy Color. We're going to develop for that. We're going to have better color support for the real world. More detailed sprites. Breeding. We're going to double our megabytes from 2 to 4 on the Game Boy cartridge. There you go. And they were like, all right, you know what? Let's just bring it in. Let's just uh, keep going. We're going to put in Johto. We're going to put in the Kanto region. Nice. So they basically threw in the whole kit and caboodle. 
Well, from what I gathered, this game is pretty much the definitive sequel. Yeah. I mean, considering how much time I put in and I only got like halfway through it, I mean, it's pretty substantial. <laughs> like, they didn't know if they wanted to go with a third game after this one. Mm-hmm. So they were like, all right, let's just... Uh, Pull out all the stops. Let's just put in everything we wanted to put in the first game and just put it in here. There you go. And upon its release, it became one of the most hyped games of all time. And who couldn't blame them? In the Kanto region, you have all these cityscapes. You had pretty much basically Tokyo with Celadon City and Saffron City. Which I didn't realize until you pointed out. And then I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And we're just going to go far west of that. Make it more historic. We're going to put more small towns, more forest, and more pagodas, towers, all that fun jazz. Yeah, the amount of towers in this game is truly staggering. I was like, wow, they really... Up the ante here, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. There's temples. You got temples. You've got burned out towers. You've got new towers. And you got radio towers. <laughs> oh, yeah. And finally, this game released on November 21st, 1999 in Japan. And it released in the U.S. when? October 15th, 2000. Wow. I was seven. I was eight. Now... What did Gen 2 do to Pokemon? What did they add to it? We already know they added a hundred new Pokemon. But they also knocked down the Psychic type. They made that overpowered madness from the first game. They brought it back down to everyone else's level. Yes, yes. They gave you the Dark type and the Steel type. Mm-hmm. The best part about Dark type, it was completely immune to Psychic attacks. Oh. So now you had this new perfect balance of like fire... Water and grass. Mm-hmm. That became fighting, psychic, and dark. Nice. They also added in 86 new moves to battle with. Mm-hmm. And this is also the uh, where they introduced Pokemon breeding. Oh, yeah. Pokemon <clears throat> genders and the baby Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And uh, also more Pokemon storage. <laughs> Have you ever tried the breeding part? Because it was in that daycare in Goldenrod where you have a chance to put in two Pokemon. I uh, I did pick up the egg and I re- ended up hatching a Togepi. All right. But that's as far as I got. <laughs> now, in the, to- in the daycare, uh-huh. you could put in any Pokemon next to a Ditto and you still get that any Pokemon's egg. Wow. Making sure that Ditto got around a lot. Now, one of the things that I thought was really interesting, and we touched on this earlier, was the built-in clock. End games events are affected by the time of day and the day of the week. So it actually makes you feel like you're part of the game in a way. Oh yeah, if you go back to the very first cave, you come across Union Cave. Uh There's a section where it's just blocked off by water. But if you went back on a Friday night around 9pm, you'd have a chance to catch a Lapras. Wow, I, I didn't even realize that. Man. And on certain days of the week, if you went to the National Forest Park... Mm-hmm. That would be like a bug-catching event. That's interesting. Now, another big thing that I think is worth mentioning is you have two maps and two regions in this game, whereas in the first gen you just had one. Here you have both Johto and Kanto region, which admittedly, I did accidentally, unwittingly go into the Kanto region prematurely, and I was like, oh, you can do that. 
huh. So I ended up having to backtrack because I only had like seven badges at the time. And I was like, I think I skipped something. So, yeah. I to, so I ended up going back. But it is a vastly bigger map in this game, obviously, because right. you have two regions. Now, another thing that I found interesting is this came out in 2000. So cell phones were like a brand new thing around this time. You actually have a phone with you and you can actually call... Uh, different trainers for rematches after you defeat them. They can also call you to let you know if there's like a swarm of rare Pokemon just hyping up and mm-hmm. becoming more and more available to catch. You want to touch up on the uh, radio? <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about the Poke Gear right now. Yes, this is all Poke Gear that they added. A lot of this was not found in the Gen 1 games. The Poke Gear, for lack of a better term, is pretty much the Pokemon Pip Boy. It's attached to your arm. It's pretty much a radio, map, and a phone all in one. Very high tech. And they were like, alright, this is the modern day. This is the smartwatch of 2000. Mm-hmm. Of the late 90s. And even then, Pokemon Radio was a fun thing to listen to. Because you had the Dr. Oak show. You had Pokemon Music. Mostly the Pokemon March, which would increase your encounter rates. And Pokemon Lullaby, which would decrease the encounter rates. And later in the game... When you unlock the Kanto radio, you'd get the pokey flute to wake up a Snorlax that's just blocking your path to Peter City. I'm getting uh, deja vu from the first game there. <laughs> hey, but at least you didn't have to hunt down for an actual pokey flute. True. It was just built into your phone. Pokey gear. Alright, right now we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. With part two. Hello and welcome to part two of the Playcube Gamecast season finale. Well, it's not really part two. We just took a quick break. Yeah. We're coming back to you a bit more refreshed, a bit more drunk and all that fun jazz. A lot more drunk. Now we left off with the, talking about the Poke Gear. Mm-hmm. Now another new, new, another of the newer additions was different types of Pokeballs. Oh yeah. Because around the game you could come across trees where you could just shake and get berries or apricorns but it's really the apricorns that you can go to a certain kurt in azela town and he was like hey i could turn those apricorns into pokeballs it would just take a full day but here have a shiny new ball amazing some of the newer balls are the heavy ball which worked on heavier pokemon you know like eight times for a snorlax the lure ball which is better on fishing Mm mm-hmm the friend ball, where you set all your friendship stats to pure 200. We'll get into friendship stats later. Okay. The love ball, which would work best on opposite genders. Ooh. We had the level ball, which is perfect for lower level Pokemon. Say you're at a level 30, 35. And you come across like this very small level 10. And you're like, you know what? I want to catch that Pokemon. Level ball. Times 10. So that would let you catch capture one without... Basically knocking it out because you're too OP? Yeah. Interesting. Then we had the fastball, which pretty much worked better on how fast a Pokemon was. If it was on a slowpoke, you'd probably be like negative 30. <laughs> and a moon ball, which is only for Pokemon that evolved with the Moonstone. You know, Nidorino, Nidorina. Nidokeen, Nidoqueen. Jigglypuff, Clefairy. 
But one of the bigger, more noticeable additions to this game was shiny Pokemon. Do tell. Because they were like, we're going to give you a rare counter. We're going to give you a Pokemon of a different palette. They're going to be shinier. They're going to have a little glue glittering. And they're just going to look a lot more cooler. And by shiny Pokemon, you're referring to like the red Gyarados? Yes. Yeah. In story, that is like the major example of a main shiny Pokemon. It actually ties into the plot of the game, actually, this red Gyarados. You're right. We'll probably get into that later, though. Yeah, yeah. Right now, Red Gyarados exists. Mm-hmm. Did you catch him? I did. Is he on your team? He is. Did you give him a nickname? I did not. Do you give any of your Pokemon nicknames? I do not. Why? Because. You don't want to get attached to them? I mean, nicknames are silly. I mean, I I suppose I could name them after presidents. Like, if one of them's, like, real brazen and, like, bombastic, I could name it. Trumpy, or... I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, Trumpy, you self-destruct. Uh, it's super effective. <laughs> um, uh, if one of them's kind of, you know, timid and confused, like Mr. Mime, I would name it, like, uh, Biden, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a sniff-type move, but that just doesn't happen right now. All right. <laughs> Uh, Confuse Ray. <laughs> Mr. Mime use bite. Yikes. <laughs> Mr. Mime used lure. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, but one of the bigger additions as well would be the friendship stats. Yes. To all your Pokemon. Originally, this was introduced to Pokemon Yellow. The Pikachu would have a different friendship stat. But here, they gave it to all the Pokemons. And it was pretty much really easy to get that friendship stat going. You could do it by leveling up, by using vitamins like the Carbos Enhancements. Mm-hmm. You could use it to defeat gym leaders of the Elite Four, Champion. Just using them in major battles like that. Mm-hmm. Hell, even learning a TM and even walking around 500 steps would be beneficial to your team. Interesting. They thought of everything. And one of the more powerful moves would be return. Depending on your friendship stat, the more powerful the move was. Wow. But they also had a very opposite thing as well. They had stuff where you could decrease your friendship, either by making them faint all the time, get knocked out, mm. or just feeding them the real bitter vegan food diet stuff. My problem so much wasn't getting defeated a lot in this game. My biggest issue with this game, just because I never played it before, was getting lost. <laughs> and I would inevitably be in, like, a cave somewhere, and I would be out of repels. So, like, I would be trying to find my way around, and every five seconds a Zubat would pop up, and I'd be like, Damn it, I'm just trying to get out of this cave. <laughs> oh, your poor Pokemon. Yeah. But just like Return was for the strength of your friendship, you had Frustration, which, if your Pokemon despised you, it would still be like the ultra-powerful move. So it works at both extremes. But Gen 2 also introduced evolving Pokemon by the level of their happiness. If your happiness stats hit like 220, you'd have a chance to evolve into a more powerful Pokemon. What better way to do that would have to take the Zubat and Golbat from the first game, really weak poison flying types, Mm -hmm. 
and create the super OP, really fast, speedy Crobat. Ooh. And they even had Eevee, which already had three evolutions in the first one. Mm-hmm. They got two new ones, where the friendship chat was really high. It would evolve at night, become an Umbreon, a dark type, or during the day, become an Espeon, a psychic type. Ooh. Did you ever get an Eevee? I did get an Eevee, but I don't think I evolved it this time around. You didn't have it on your team? I I had it, and I ha- I was planning on doing something with it, but uh, for whatever reason, I got caught up in getting to the next gym leader or whatever, Aww. and it wound up on the back burner. So, quick question. Mm-hmm. Your new Pokemon team, were, were they any of the new Gen 2 Pokemon? Yes. Um, I kept my Cyndaquil uh, throughout as part of my team. It evolved into Typhlosion, and uh, what was the last one? Um, it was uh, Incineroar? Wait, no, that's Incineroar. No, it was uh, Cyndaquil, then it was... Typhlosion's the last one. Typhlosion's the last one. So yeah, anyway, I, <laughs> I kept it throughout both evolutions, and um, one Pokemon that I kept on my team throughout was actually a Gen 1. I had a Bulbasaur that I evolved into Weepin' Bell, and I just kept it because it's... Bulls- you mean like a Bellsprout? Bellsprout. I said Bulbasaur. Wow. That's the bourbon talking. Uh, um, I had a Bellsprout that evolved into a Weeping Bell. Thank you. Okay. And uh, I just like to have a strong grass type on my team because mm-hmm. they're very useful, especially if you have Poison Powder. Yeah. Which is why I kept it on the team. I had a Crobat on my team because he was also very powerful in a Poison type. Mm-hmm. He would later learn Toxic, mm-hmm. which is just pretty much just makes your Pokemon, the other Pokemon, badly poisoned. Okay. And I like to keep a bird type on my team so I can fly around the map. Yeah. And that was Hoot Hoot for me. <laughs> which did not get very powerful, but I always kept him on the roster because it was useful. Um, let me think. I think Hoot Hoot and... Uh, well, I did have Pseudo Ludo on my team for a while. Yeah. As a secondary grass type. He was very helpful, but mainly Pseudo-Wudo, Hoot Hoot, and Typhlosion were the main Gen 2s that I kept around. For my main Gen 2s, it was the Typhlosion. I had Ampharos, which uh-huh. was like this OP electric type. They pretty mm-hmm. much evolved from a sheep Pokemon. I had a Slowpoke, which I evolved into a Slow King. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty fun. Nice. I used Crobat. I did have a Mareep that I kept around for a okay. while. If yeah. you kept that, you would have this awesome electric type. Yeah. It, it had Thundershock and Thunder Wave, but I never got anything beyond Aww. those two attacks. But yeah. uh, I did keep him around for a while. Usually. But I also used an S. Sorry. But I also used an Umbreon as my team. And that was like the biggest grind for me was just building up the friendship stats on mm-hmm. Golbat and Eevee at the same time. Just because I wanted those Pokemon before I hit the fourth gym. Yeah, yeah. As far as the gym leaders go, I didn't have a lot of difficulty with them. Nine times out of ten, if I was defeated or if I lost a match, it was from your main rival in the game. Oh, yeah. He whooped me so hard a couple times. You want to get to your main rival later? Up to you. All right. So back to happiness, though. Other Pokemon that evolved were like the baby Pokemon. Pichu, Cleffa, Igglybuff, and Togepi. Mm-hmm. They would later evolve with happiness to Pikachu, Clefairy, Jigglypuff, and Togetic. 
Now, one of the this is like one of the newer things because in development they're like, all right, we're gonna have all these Pokemon evolve at level twelve. But they're like, nah, we have friendship. Let's just use that instead. Ha! <laughs> nice. Uh, the poor Pichu and po- Super Smash Brothers. He never got any love. Mm-mm. He's forever a Pichu. <laughs> and another rare thing that I didn't even know was in this game was a Chansey evolving into a Blissey for happiness. Whoa. Yeah, some of these newer Pokemon from the new 100, mm-hmm. they're quite hidden in this game. You have to actually hunt them down to find them. Wow. Like, another Pokemon on my team, Heracross, a bug fighting type. Mm-hmm. Sounds awesome. Didn't really learn that many fighting moves. Kind of less awesome. Yeah, it seemed like a lot of the Gen 2s that I caught, I wasn't that familiar with for one. But two, with exceptions, it seemed like a lot of the Gen 2s that I would catch were kind of weaker. You just have to train them up more. Yeah. Because a lot of their better moves came in like the high 40s, 50s. Okay. And it would take forever to get to there. Mm Mm-hmm. The for perspective folks, I got up to the last gym leader and my strongest Pokemon was Typhlosion and he was level forty three. And for perspective, when I first beat the Elite Four, uh-huh. all my all six of my Pokemon were around level forty three, forty five. Okay. And that was just and barely enough to keep a type advantage and just keep fighting. Yeah, yeah. Now, moving on to held items, one of the next big additions to this game. Mm-hmm. Because you had stuff like Charcoal or Mystic Water, where they would boost stats of certain types of Pokemon. And there's also Pokemon who evolved through trading, holding a specific item. Like if you had a King's Rock, you could turn a Poliwhirl or a Slowpoke into a Politoad or a Slow King. Ooh. If you had a Metal Coat, like a Metal Coat, mm-hmm. you turn either the Rock Snake Onyx. Mm-hmm. Into a steel snake, Steelix. Steelix. Uh-huh. <laughs> or you turn the bug Scyther into a metal-coated Scythor. Scythor. I like how you said that. <laughs> I will tell you this, though. I learned not to trade through a GameCube and a GBA through Pokemon on Elite Cable. Because Why is that? I tried getting a Scythor on my own. Uh-huh. And something went wrong, and I lost a Scizor entirely. Yikes. Like, oh no, this is the only Pokemon I know that knows cut. Yikes. <laughs> and I was really looking forward to having a Scizor. Speaking of, this might be off subject just a little bit, but I wanted to touch on this. We might touch on this later, or we might have already touched on it a little. But there are new HM moves on this game, whereas... On Gen 1, you only had HM1 through HM5. Now you have HM6 and 7. Yes. Would you care to touch on those a bit? Well, they wanted you to have more exploration, especially mm-hmm. with the World Islands being a thing. Mm-hmm. You had HM for Whirlpool and a HM for Waterfall. Mm-hmm. Whirlpools let you cross over Whirlpools. I did use Whirlpool, but I never used Waterfall. Care to touch on Waterfall for a bit? Say there's this huge, massive waterfall in the way. Mm-hmm. Use Waterfall, you just go straight up it. Wow. They that's literally... like the one thing blocking you from going into Kanto early on, is a waterfall. Okay, okay. Now, I, are, I already caught, I already got the HM for Whirlpool. How do you get the HM for Waterfall? Okay, fair enough. For those of you listening, you're SOL. You'll have to figure that out on your own, because we don't know. 
pretty much follow the story. It'll happen on its own. Yeah. Back to Pokemon trading held items. If you had a Seedra, give them a dragon scale. You could evolve that to a dragon water type Kingdra. Which was also Claire's main Pokemon in the final gym. That was, yes. Man, yeah. And if you make it all the way to Kanto, Mm -hmm. you go to the Silvco, where they're like, yeah, you can't go anywhere past the first floor due to safety issues from three years ago. Epic. What's the opposite of foreshadowing? (laughs) Callbacks. Yeah, epic callback. (laughs) (laughs) Since you traveled all the way from Johto, here, have an upgrade. Give it to your Porygon. Make it hold it, trade it, get a Porygon 2. Which is a more smoother, rounded out Porygon. We've covered pretty much all the major Pokemon variations from this game. Mm-hmm. Not counting the Sunstone. Mm-hmm. Which is only found winning first place in a bug catching contest. Which I also did not do. <laughs> and I tried it a few times. I never got first. But you don't really need a Sunstone. Because it was only available to use for two Pokemon. One of them was Gloom. Mm-hmm. Turned that big, frumpy plant of a Pokemon into mm-hmm. a cute little Bellossom. Bellossom. I remember Bellossom. Or you could turn a sunflower seed of a Sunkern Pokemon. Oh, yeah? Make a Sunflora. Ooh. Yeah, it's pretty much just those two Pokemon. Okay. Like, you don't really need a Sunstone unless you're going for that complete Pokedex. Gotcha. What Pokemon... I did have a Moonstone, and I was trying to figure out what Pokemon would be good for that. Isn't that basically like Clefairy and Jigglypuff? Yeah. Okay. As well as Nidorino, Nidorina, for the Nidoking Queen. Oh, okay, okay. Because, yeah, I kept going through my roster of Pokemon, and it said not able, not able, not able, and I'm like, what's this for? <laughs> uh, one of the biggest things, though, was in Mount Mortar, like a completely optional side quest cave, mm-hmm. where you had to explore. It was pitch black. But deep down, you would find the Karate King from the first game. Really? Just hiding out in the, the cave. The one that is in, uh, is it Celadon City? Saffron. Saffron. Yeah. With, uh, he's next door to the Psychic Gym. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if you defeated him back then, you get a Hitmonchan or Hitmonlee. Mm-hmm. But here, he's like, you know what? Here's a Tyrogue, the baby version of those Pokemon. Ooh, so really you're downgraded. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. At level 20, that Tyrogue would evolve either based on their stats of attack or defense. It would evolve into either a Hitmonchan, Hitmonlee, or a Hitmontop. Oh, wow. Yeah. Pretty much a higher attack, Hitmonlee. Hitmonlee, okay. Higher defense, Hitmonchan, punching. Or if it was equal stats, it would be Hitmontop. Hitmontop, gotcha. Okay. Hitmontop was a very rare Pokemon because this was the only way to get it. Like, you probably might see it in battle once or twice, but that was it. I never came across a Hitmontop. Like, this was a game that required exploration. Yeah, yeah. And to be fair, like, I feel like I just hit the tip of the iceberg even as far as I got. Like, I I basically finished the Johto region, but there's still so much more I could have done. And I put over 20 hours into the game. Right. Yeah. So, what's completionist on this? <laughs> completionist, this game would be like 166 hours. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you can spend a lot of time on this game. That's like breeding every Pokemon, getting baby mm-hmm. Pokemon, like Electakid, Magby for the Electabuzz, and Magmar. Yes, yes. Or even Smoochum for Jinx. Yeah. 
Like, if you were to breed your Jinx right now, you'd get to smooch them. Ooh. But we've got to talk about one of the more rarer things in this game. I'm talking about rares and shiny Pokemon. The Pokemon Virus. Pokemon Virus? The Pokemon Rust. Yeah. Well, it's pretty much a most beneficial thing to your Pokemon. Like, you'd get it from a random encounter. Mm-hmm. You'd be spreading to all of your team. Go to the Pokemon Center and the joy would be like... And the nurse joy would be like, your team's been infected, but don't worry. We have no idea what to do about it. That's comforting. Then you get a call from Professor Elm. Hey. Yeah, see that Pokemon, Russ? Yeah, don't worry about it. It'll just go away in a few days. Huh. Does it affect how your Pokemon perform? Actually, it did. It was beneficial. It pretty much just doubled all the stats you leveled up. Then how is this a bad thing? It's not. It's a good thing. It's just (laughs) super rare. Okay. Some of the few minor changes, though, included turning Magnemite into a Steel Electric type. Mm-hmm. Gotta have more Steel Pokemon. One thing I want to touch on, and we'll get back to what we're discussing, but one thing that I did notice, um, having played Pokemon Blue and Red, and then Pokemon Yellow, moving from Pokemon Yellow to Pokemon Gold, I noticed in the graphics department, more vivid colors. Oh, yeah. There was a... More dense color palette, the graphic... You could tell the graphics had come a long way from the first gen. And this is still Game Boy Color. This isn't GBA. Yeah. But you could tell they were still... They were trying to push the envelope as much as they could with the technology they had at the time. Well, here's the thing, though. Pokemon Red and Blue came out on a Game Boy. It was already a dying system at the time. It's been around since 80s. 89, I think. Yeah, it's been around since the late 80s. But they were developing... Gold and silver for the Pokemon Color, which just came out in 97. Mm-hmm. Hence the vivid color palettes. So go on, sorry. One of the bigger changes from Pokemon Red and Blue mm-hmm. was a special stat. Stats that made Pokemon like Alakazam super OP. Because they would have this high special. Mm-hmm. This means attack and defense were just like through the roof. Wow. Yeah, they split that to a special attack and special defense. One other thing I want to touch on on this game that... I feel is a vast improvement on previous games. Previously in blue and red and yellow. So Gen 1. Gen 1. When you would catch a Pokemon after weakening it, you would, assuming you had a full roster, it would go to Bill's PC. When you go to pick it up, it would still be weakened from that Um, battle where you caught it from. No. Whereas in this game... As soon as it goes to Bill's PC, it's automatically healed, so yeah. you don't have to waste time going back to Nurse Joy after you withdraw it from the PC and have to heal everything all over again. It's already automatically done for you, which is an immense improvement. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I just wanted to touch on that. <laughs> Definitely a good thing. Yes. Now, you remember in Gen 1 where you'd come across a Pokemon and you just have like a thousand power points for Thunder? And even though you know you only have five on your side, yeah, they fixed that in Gen 2. Really? Yeah. Good. You can now wait out other Pokemon and have them struggle. That's good. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a thing. That was very much a thing. Now, do you want to talk about the backpack? I'll have you start, but yes, let's talk about the backpack. In Gen 1, the backpack was pretty much just 20 slots, all of them on the same slot. Oh, that's right. Now you have... 
a slot for your TM and HM moves. You have a slot specifically for Pokeballs, and then you have a slot for your regular items like antidotes and potions and paralyze heal and whatnot. The final slot would be for key items like bicycles, your Bicycle. squirt bottle. Yes, yeah, poke flute. <laughs> no poke flute in this game. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, key items would go into that special slot. And I didn't know this, but you can register those items and basically perform hotkey functions. Yeah, and just, just hit the select. select bu- just hit the select button, and bam, you're on your bicycle. That was super easy. That was like the best thing ever. I loved it. Yeah, and I just found that out today. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. But a part of having different trainers have different phone calls to call you out, one of the better things they added was giving every random opponent names. Yes, yeah. Made it a lot easier to identify them. <laughs> I still remember Youngster Joey, that first person who gave me a cell phone number, always calling me up. Hey, my Rattata's in the top two percentile. Come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. And then... <laughs> They'd whip, he'd whip out later on in the game. He'd whip out his radicate and be like, "Yeet, <laughs> check out my radita, bro. That's radicate. Not anymore. It's still in my radita." Hyperfang. <laughs> now, you started off this game three years after the main story. You're mm-hmm. a completely new person. Yes, you're a different protagonist in this game, and all of the ramifications. Of the first game, such as the fall of Team Rocket, Giovanni splitting and being forced into exile. All of that comes to a head in this game. Team Rocket is basically a broken unit. They're still trying to find their identity after all this. They're still trying to rebuild from the ashes. So, you want to touch on that, any? Yeah, this main story, where Team Rocket was just like, shit, what do we do now? Yeah. I guess uh, cut off Slowpoke Tales? Also, did you find it odd that the only title to feature Jesse and James was Pokemon Yellow? I mean, that was pretty much just an anime game, so yeah. Yeah, true. But it would have been neat to see them. Yeah. But yeah, you can't get everything. But, speaking of Team Rocket, though, your main rival in this game, the very arrogant, red-haired... Oh god, I hated this guy. Question mark, question mark, question mark. What did you name him? I named him Ass Hat. I just named him Silva, because apparently in the comics, manga, his name is Silver. I like Asshat better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it had very James Bond rival-esque Silva. Either, I named him either Asshat or Dipshit, one of the two. <laughs> either way, this guy is arrogant. He wants to be the strongest trainer of all costs. He's the number one Pokemon trainer. He has the best Pokemon Throughout the Johto region, and everybody knows it. He has Pokemon he has stolen, too. But they are his. Anyone that tells you that they're stolen Pokemon, that's fake news. Don't believe it. (laughs) Uh, And he comes across every time around a story just to fuck with you some more. Basically. (laughs) Now, as you're going around, taking out Team Rocket Cells, because they're also at Lake Rage, Trying to turn Magikarp into Gyarados prematurely. That's how you end up with a red Gyarados. Oh. Then I learned a to, thing. They're trying to mess up the radios just to contact Giovanni. Yes. Yeah. That was that was probably my favorite part, honestly, the Team Rocket parts. Yeah. Just dealing with Rocket and 
saving the town again and just anything Team Rocket related is always fun. I enjoyed that more than the the uh, Poke, Poke Gems. But at least in Gen 1, Team Rocket was like, all right, we're going to build a Mewtwo. We're going to take over Saffron City. We're going to destroy Silphco and get all that special gear. Oh, yeah. But here it's just like, yeah, we'll just take over a radio tower, I guess. Yeah, it seems like they kind of lost their ambition in a way when Giovanni left. Now, back to your rival. It's mm. a rumor that your redheaded rival, whatever his name, is actually Giovanni's son. Dun, dun, dun. We need to get Mario over here for a parent test. Yes. <laughs> He's definitely douchey enough. Yeah. But later on, though, he actually manages to have some kind of uh, revelation. Character Cause, development. Because he got defeated by Lance, who's over here like, Kid, you can't just trust on high-power Pokemon. You need to find friendship. As Lance is over here with three fucking Dragonites on his team. And, yeah, that's got to be a turning point for him. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I got to be nice. Huh. And he actually does be nice in one of the last few battles you beat him in. Really? Because he has a Golbat throughout most of the entire game. In the very last level, he has a Crobat. That means he actually learned to love his Pokemon. Whoa. If he can learn to love, just imagine <coughs> what the president's capable of. <laughs> <laughs> so after beating Johto gym leaders left and right, uh-huh. you take on the Elite Four... You get a ticket to the USS Anne. Sorry, to the SS Anne. From the first game. Yeah. You take a nice little cruise all the way to Kanto region. Is the captain still seasick? No. Okay. He just gets annoyed by a little girl. Oh, okay. Because one of the things you do is look for a little girl who's lost by her grandfather. Oh. And you battle your way across the ship. Really? And you find a little girl. Wonderful. You land at SS Anne. You land at Vermilion City, mm-hmm. start taking down the Kanto gym leaders. One by one. Learn that there's a power plant outage, means they actually use that power plant this game. Also, if I'm if I remember correctly, isn't uh, Cinnabar Island no more in this game? Yes. It got Vulcaned? Volcanoed? It got uh, covered. Pom- it got Pompeyed. <laughs> yeah, Cinnabar <laughs> Island got Pompeyed. He had to relocate to the Seafoam Island, <laughs> yeah. which is now just a smaller area, just one room. Mm-hmm. Blaine. And isn't the Seafoam Islands the uh, area in the first-gen games where you found Articuno? Yeah. Yeah. But here it's just one room. Oh, okay. It's one of the very few changes they made to Kanto uh-huh. that was quite noticeable. Another one was the lack of safari zone. They just didn't have enough room to put a safari zone in there. Okay. Also, if you don't mind, spend a couple minutes on this since I never got this far. How would you compare and contrast the two legendary bird Pokemon in this game, Ho-Ho and Lugia? Ho-Ho would be described as the guardian of the skies. Uh Uh-huh. And Lugia would be described as the guardian of the seas. So, correct me if I'm wrong, but you can trade with people who have played the first gen game, and you can get Moltres, Zapdos, Articuno, and you can basically have an, build an entire team of legendary birds if you wanted to. Sure, they all be weak against Electric, but yeah. Oh, yeah. 
So you could have Lugia, Ho-Ho, Articuno, Zabtos, Moltres. That's what, five? Yeah. And then Mewtwo. Yeah. You could if you really wanted to. If you really wanted to, you could have Mewtwo, Ho-Ho, Lugia, Zapdos, Moltres, Articuno. But you're also forgetting about the legendary beasts from this game. Oh. Raikou, Entai, and Suicune. Ooh. Which, back in Ekrutit City, go into the Burn Tower, one of the major historic marks of that city, go in, waking up all three beasts, and they go and just roam the countryside, awaiting for you to find them stumbling across the road. It's a good thing they made this before 9-11, otherwise they probably couldn't get away with the Burnt Tower. <laughs> uh, Mic drop. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, actually, a fun theory for the three legendary beasts, if you will. Mm-hmm. So supposedly, there were in the Brass Tower three Pokemon, random Pokemon. When the fire happened? When the fire happened, it became the Burnt Tower. Oh. So, the theory is that the three Pokemon in there was a Vaporeon, Jolteon, and a Flareon. Oh. We're talking about the three evolutions, which makes sense in so many ways because they both became water, fire, and electric. And they just became like super legendary beast dog-like things. Whoa. But another real thing that was happening later on, like Generation 4, when they would come back to the Heart Gold Soul Silver remakes... And they would share the same effects, like special effect body type things, Mm -hmm. of like water absorb or voltage absorb or just like a fire version of that. Fire absorb? I don't know. Okay. But it would just tie it into further on, claim that these were Mm -hmm. actual Eevee Pokemons. Interesting, interesting. And they weren't able to really uh, disprove this theory, so it's still ongoing and it's still possibly true. Yes. Now, one thing worth noting, and people already know this, but if you're not a Nintendo guy... Wait, one another thing for that EV Evolution sure. thing was also in the same city, you had to fight the Kimono Girls. The trainers in this uh, small theater, you'd have to go on stage and fight all five of them. Did they wear kimonos? Yeah. Ah. But they also had all EV Pokemon. Oh. Like all Evolutions? Yeah. Okay. So I just... Further proves it that it is an EV legendary. Interesting. Go on. So, um, now this wasn't a thing when the this first released for the Game Boy Color. But uh, one thing that we did just earlier today even, and I, I, I was aware of this, but if you own a GameCube, you can actually... I know this isn't news to anybody, but some people may not know. You can put the cartridge into your GameCube and actually play on the big screen, which is really nice, which, of course, when this released wasn't a thing. The GameCube came out much later, but it's it's a cool thing if you don't feel like playing a handheld game, you can play it on your TV. And I know this is not news to anybody, but, you know, some people might not know. But another thing between, like, Lugia and Ho-Oh, like... Ho-Oh was on top of the Twin Tower, the Tin Tower, or later known as the Bell Tower. Mm-hmm. On top of that, perched up top on the roof. Yes. Now, the Burn Tower what was also known as the Brass Tower. Lugia uh-huh. was on top of that one. Oh, okay. Like, before that burned, that, after that burned down, Lugia went deep underground into the Royal Islands. Hmm. But it also ties into the fact that Ecruteak City 
was pretty much the basis based on Kyoto, Japan. Interesting. Like real life, Kyoto, Japan, very historical city, very beautiful. Many historical temples and buildings are found in Kyoto. Glad we didn't bomb that city. (laughs) But one of the bigger, more well-known temples would be known as the Kinkaku-ji. Do tell. It's pretty much called the Golden Pavilion. Mm -hmm. The walls were covered in gold leaf. It was built in 1397. Ooh. And it was also partially burned down in 1955. Ouch. They restored it now. Well, that's good. If it was America, they would have torn it down and put in a shopping mall. Please. (laughs) We don't even have buildings that old here. I know. And the burn tower was based on the Jinkaku-ji, also known as the Silver Pavilion. Did it burn down? No. Okay. It was planned to have be covered in silver foil, but it just never happened. But they used a reflection of a pool... Across mm-hmm. the lacquer finish of the walls to give it a nice silver reflection. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that's where the basis of these names of the games came from. Interesting, because before today, I didn't even realize that these were based on real cities in Japan. So it's kind of neat to know that they were going back to their roots for this. So that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Because you had Ecritique City, Kyoto. Mm-hmm. You had Goldenrod, which is pretty much Osaka, another big city. And then Kobe. <laughs> you had all of Vine City pretty much being based on Kobe's Japan. Wow. And they have that uh, herd of... They have that Miltake farm right up yeah. north of it. Miltake. <laughs> Poor things don't even know they're about to become a T-bone. But this makes sense. This is based on the Kensai region of Japan, right next to it in the Kanto region, mm-hmm. which was also based on the Kanto region of Japan. <laughs> Real original work there, guys. Very nice. You had Celadon City, Saffron City, and Cinnabar Island, all based on Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's worth mentioning, when you go back into the Kanto region, the city with the, uh, help me out here, with the cemetery. <laughs> yeah. Lavender Town? Lavender Town. The uh, cemetery is no longer there. It's now a radio station. Right. Which is odd. <laughs> but you can't really explore this radio station. Because they were like, yeah, the radio station Johto got taken over. We're beefing up security here. Very good job, guys. Very nice. Damn it, Team Rocket. Womp, womp, womp. Another big thing, the final real area of the game, Mount Silver. Uh Uh-huh. Where you find the endgame boss. This is all. The final trainer, Pokemon Trainer Red. The main character from the first gen. And ridiculously OP. Mount Silver is pretty much based on Mount Fiji, the largest mountain in Japan. Mm-hmm. And that is insane. Did you bump into Gojira? No. <laughs> but I did find a Tyran... Uh, sorry, not a Tyranitar. A... Lav- Larvitar. Larvitar. Ooh. Which would later evolve into like a Godzilla-like Tyranitar. It's Gojira. Now, another thing from this game would be the Ruins of Alf. This game was really an exploration... You skipped over this area entirely. Yeah, apparently I skipped over big sections of the game without even realizing I was doing it. <laughs> yeah, the ruins of the ALF was pretty much you go in, unlock some puzzles, make some fossil Pokemon, then get dropped down into another chamber and get attacked by unknown Pokemon. Sounds fun, right? 
Not Pokemon that weren't really known. They were literally called unknown. Yes. And they Ap- formed the letters of the alphabet. Because Aptly they were like, named. And they even had a little unknown dex. So you can catch all 26 Pokemon. And aside from looks, are they basically just the same? Pretty much. They have weak stats. They only know one move. What's that move? Hidden power. Does it's it do like something from the inside and it attacks. It's not really doing anything. Nice. Like the only real thing you can get from this game is just using the Pokemon printer to print stamps from the unknown. And that's pretty much it. Sounds so exciting. But one of the bigger things, though, was the peripherals that came along with this game. You know, peripherals such as the Pokemon Pikachu 2 GS. Ooh. Which is pretty much like a Tamagotchi-like Pokemon Pikachu thing. Mm-hmm. Like a tiny little Game Boy, about, probably about the size of my fist. You would have a Pikachu on there. You'd take him on walks, build up watts, like 10 steps for one watt. Nice. Sorry, 100 steps for one watt. Okay. You would trade those watts in for mystery gift items on your game. Pretty much like 100 watts would get you a berry. Ooh. 300 watts for a Great Ball. Lovely. And 999 watts for a Rare Candy. Now that's worth it. (laughs) Rare Candy is my favorite item. This is a tiny little thing. It also made an appearance in Animal Crossing as one of the special items villagers lost all the time. But when it came out in 2000, it was like $19. Really? Now it's on average for like $71. Now, if someone were to want to purchase Pokemon Silver or Gold today, at today's prices, what could they expect to shell out? For a loose cartridge, nothing else, no box, no manual, Uh it'd be about $26. Okay. For complete in-box experience, you had the box, manual, all that fun jazz. It'd be about $170. And if you wanted it brand new. With the original cellophane and everything. Like, it wasn't touched since it got bought. Uh-huh. It'd be about $904 for Pokemon Gold and $1,055 for Pokemon Silver. So basically a PS5. <laughs> Like a scalper's PS5, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> now, main story of this game, burn through everything, kill the Elite Four, going to set you back about 30 hours. If you're a completionist and you want to do everything? It'd be 166. But if you just want to do like the main story and some extras, Kanto region, mm-hmm. maybe I'll drum around, do all the extra stuff, you'd probably spend about at least 69 and a half hours. Dang. And for reference, guys, I put a little over 20 hours, and I basically beat the Johto region, which is about halfway. So I still had a lot of ways to go. And I put quite a bit of time into the game, so, I mean, it's worth it if you just want something that's going to tie your... Something that you can do on the side and spend a lot of time on and have fun with, I definitely recommend it. And at the time, it was pretty critically acclaimed as well, and the commercial Mm -hmm. success... Yes. It averaged about like 8.8, 10%, 10 out of 10, 89%. It was hitting all the high marks. Yes, very much so. Even though today some people might look at it as a, like an expansion, if you will. Mm-hmm. Because it was just pretty much just Kanto plus Johto to them. Mm-hmm. It really is its own definitive sequel, if you will, you know? Sure. Yeah, very much so. Like, it had all the callbacks to Gen 1. Mm-hmm. And there's several references directly to Gen 1 in the game. Like, they'll reference the fall of Team Rocket and 
where Giovanni is hiding out now because of his defeat from Red. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the fact that Pokemon Trainer Blue, your main rival from Gen 1, mm-hmm. was now the Viridian Gym Leader. Yeah, that's a big deal. But let's get back to the actual sales of this game. Because yes. this game sold well. It is currently the third highest best-selling Game Boy game of all time. That's quite a feat. It only beat out, barely, it only got beat out by Tetris and Pokemon Red and Blue. Which, I'm surprised Tetris won, but I can definitely see how it would trail Red and Blue, because those were so iconic. I mean, think about this, the original DMG Game Boy, the big brick of a Game Boy. Uh-huh. Pretty much everyone who played that played Tetris. True. But yeah, this game sold 23 million units by 2010. Which is pretty good for a handheld. For sure. Alright, do you want to do some closing statements? Maybe talk about or give them a quick preview of what's to be expected for Season 2? Now, we're still in the planning stages. We Nothing <laughs> is concrete here, but we do have some ideas for Season 2. Not Did yet. You... Let's uh, finish off uh, Pokemon Gold and Silver. Okay. Let's not get ahead of ourselves just yet. Sure, sure. I mean, how do you feel playing this game now? I mean, going back to playing this game after playing like Pokemon Sword and Shield, or even the Pokemon remakes, Heart Gold, Soul Silver on the DS, it just felt really weird getting back to it until I got into a groove, you know? Well, the only games I ever played were Pokemon Blue and Pokemon Yellow. So playing it on this was, uh, it was familiar territory, but it was like, the next step. Like, you played Pokemon Blue last year, right? I did. And you actually beat that game. I did. That is, like, a very tough feat to do today in modern times, because mm-hmm. just how jacked up that game was. Yes. I've beaten Blue, and I've beaten Yellow before. Uh, I beat the Elite Four, I caught the Mewtwo. The only thing I didn't do, I caught Moltres, and I caught Articuno, I think, but I didn't catch Zapdos, and it's vice versa on Yellow. I caught Zapdos, and I caught... Moltres, but I've never been able to catch all three bird types, oh. uh, and it's infuriating. But uh, but yes, I beat yellow, and I've beaten blue, and this one was a lot more challenging for me because it was uncharted territory. I never watched the anime past the original, so I never watched Johto region, Yeah. so a lot of this was brand new to me. So it was a challenge in that respect, and I enjoyed it. I mean, it was neat catching new types of Pokemon and figuring out, you know, all the new types and everything. And there's still apparently a lot I still don't know. <laughs> nah. But, uh... I think future seasons from now on, we're going to try to do at least one Pokemon game. Sure, sure. And try to work on that. Mm-hmm. Maybe Because it's such DS a games. big series, you can do so much. It's like, which we can still discuss this in the future, but yeah. like one Pokemon game, maybe something, not necessarily GTA, but something from Rockstar, whether yeah. it be, uh, like Manhunt or LA, Blade. LA Noir, Red Dead Redemption, something from them. Hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's looking good. And I have a lot of excitement for the next season and we don't want to get us ahead of ourselves too early here. Because the last time we did, we didn't even hit half the games on our list. Sure. Sure. But we do have a few ideas for down the pipeline, and we are very excited. All right. So I like this game. Even though it was taking a step back for a few other things, mm-hmm. it was still nice to have like that daily event grinding going on too. Yes, and this was also... We knew this going in. Anytime you dive into a Pokemon game, especially a handheld 
it takes a lot of time. It's not like a console game experience where you can finish in 20 or 30 hours. These take a lot more time. So we kind of even put this on the back burner and put some more episodes ahead of this. We originally were planning on doing this episode a lot earlier. Yeah, like back in October. But I'm glad we waited because I got further into the game and I got a better understanding of it. And um, yeah, just a really fun experience. And um, I'm glad I did it. Yeah. Like I've played this when we started back in like August. Mm -hmm. Wait, yeah, August. September, and I've been playing on and off again, but for like the last two weeks, I've been playing Pokemon Silver like all the time. Yeah, and this is something I would do like just in my downtime when I didn't have anything to do. I would be like, you know what, I need to, I need to make some more progress on Pokemon Gold. So let's let's put some hours in. But very fulfilling experience. And strangely enough, yeah, yeah, it is. And it was a challenge, and it was a fun challenge. And even though all the 100 new Pokemon, they were very rare to find. They were like ninjas hiding away in bushes and trees. Like Snubble. This little pit bull of a Pokemon. I know Snubble. It's like a 1% near Olivine City. It's like super rare for a mediocre Pokemon. It's so weird. Huh. You wouldn't think it. Nah. Even Houndour and Houndoom, the dark fire types, that was Uh only found in Kanto. Wow. Like, these were Pokemon that looked cool that I wanted on my team, but I couldn't get it early on. So I was like, you know what? I have a Typhlosion. I'm cool. I'm good. Yes. Very much so. <sighs> so, aside from that minor side effect, I mean, sidetrack, I actually enjoyed this game for what it was. Uh-huh. Yes. And, you know, when it came to handheld games back in the day, I've always been more of a console gamer, but... Back in the day, my go-tos were Pokemon Blue, Pokemon Yellow, and later on when I got the GBA, my go-tos for the GBA were Legacy of Goku 1 and 2. Yeah. Maybe we'll cover that in the future, maybe we won't, but mm. when it came when it came to Pokemon titles, I always played them on handhelds. So it was exciting to even though it's a 20-year-old, 21-year-old game at this point, even though it's that old, this was a new experience for me and it was exciting. Oh yeah. Any closing remarks you'd like to add? If you were going to play this game, play it on a GBA. It's so much more better. Really? I mean, Oh, yeah. You get the backlit screen. Yeah. I, I played it on a Game Boy Advance SP, so it was nice to have that backlight. Uh, considering nine times out of ten, I was playing at night. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't have to break out like the Game Boy Color or the Game Boy mm-hmm. Light for the Game Boy Color. Yep. Which <laughs> I had at one point. But, yeah. Uh, which... I can see playing it on those older handhelds. As being nostalgic, but still. We want that modernist touch. Yes, very much so. And with the GBA, you it gives you the option when you play old Game Boy games, you can either watch it on the original screen dimensions, yeah. play it on the original screen dimensions, or you can expand it to GBA dimensions. And it doesn't sound like much, but it makes a difference. Especially if you're playing it on the TV for the GameCube and have it on a full screen ratio. Yes. It's like, oh my god, I can see. (laughs) I can count these pixels. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, this is pretty much the end. Of season one. Of Pokemon Gold Silver season one. This was the finale. This was an amazing experience to be able to finish a season one. Because I didn't even think we'd get all the way down to here. We made it an entire season. This would be like 
episode 13, 14 right now. This is amazing. What's our, just so the fans know, what's our most popular episode right now that we've recorded? Right now, it's no kidding. It's Vice City. Vice City is our most popular. We spent a lot of time on that one. That was a fun one. But uh, And people heard us talking. Sorry, heard us singing. <laughs> Love Fist on that very first opening part. Oh my god. We... <laughs> Should we end with Love Fist? No. <laughs> You'll, if you want to hear us singing really bad karaoke, go check out the Vice City episode right now. <laughs> uh. But um, we do have some merch, and we will be modeling that for you soon. Check out our Instagram page. You'll be able to see us wearing our fabulous merch here in the near future. Give it a couple weeks, yeah. Yes. And um, there's also shout outs we have to do. Yes, we do. We open up the floodgates for shout outs. We got a few feedbacks. We have, we want to shout out our other codes who couldn't be here with us. Mushi. Mushi. Yes. I want to shout out my girlfriend, Lauren. Hi, Lauren. You want to shout out anybody? Uh, Garrett Chatterton. He's been a very good friend and he confidant. He's uh, helped motivate us and. Uh, he, he hasn't guested on an episode yet. Maybe you'll see him on season two, but he is very much a part of this, and he keeps us motivated, and he gives us helpful tips and ideas. I also want to shout out TJ, my brother. He helps me out on a little more technical stuff. Yes. As well as Tim with the equipment. We're still using the mics he would let us borrow. Woo! There's also Pokemon Professor Alex. Yes. He would have been here on the Pokemon Crystal, but he's not, sadly. Womp, womp. Maybe he'll be here season two. And a special shout out to my nephew, Samuel. Howdy. <laughs> as well as all the people we met on Instagram. And a shout out to those SpaceX astronauts in space right now. May you stay up in orbit and not come back down. All right. It's Jimmy, safer out there. Go ahead and shout out to people on Instagram who want to shout out. Okay. Outrun GC. Real Team Six, List Off Pod, It Bleeds Pixels, Professor Raichu, 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 and Nonsense Gaming. Thank you so much for plugging us, and we'll continue to plug you. And thank you for letting us come on to your shows, future shows, absolutely, any future collabs. And hopefully I'll be a part of those collabs too. Our schedules don't always sync up, so I'm not always readily available for those collabs, but uh, you never know. Hopefully I can be more of a part of that for the next season. I think season two, we're going to try to get as more collabs as possible. Yes. So season two is looking like this. We're going to have two episodes a month. One episode basically on retro games. Mm-hmm. More retro games, less 2000 and 2001 games. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that's 2020. Yes, we've decided, and I think you guys have ma- made this a point just from the amount of views we get. We need to stay focused on the retro games. We've done a couple of new-ish releases. We did Miles Morales, and we also did the remake of Mafia. And they didn't perform quite as well, so we've kind of made the decision that we're going to focus on more retro gaming on older titles. And any of the newer games we're going to do are pretty much just indie games. Yes, very Just much. to give a review and insight to lesser-known titles. Mm-hmm. All right. But until then, this is Chase. And this is Jimmy. You can find us on all the social medias. We'll see Instagram, sometimes Twitter, and kind of on Facebook. And occasionally on YouTube. And 
until season two in April. Godspeed, and we will see you then. Have a good seasonal break. Have a really good... What's the word? Um, quarantine? <laughs> Sorry, good luck with quarantine. We'll see you in April. Assuming we make it to April. Goodbye. Farewell.